Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have you always felt a little odd, a little different? The world is crying out for witches to heal and to rebuild. But do you hear its call and will you answer? This is a space for free thinking, where I give you tools to explore and build your craft. We all have a divine spark. Join me each week and grow that spark into a fiery beacon. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft, and I'll be bringing you a one-on-one guide to all things witchcraft and spirituality. This is The Major's Well. Hey Majors, welcome back to the show and thanks for tuning in. This week is a special show because I'm collaborating with Tell the Witch Tree, which is a periodic podcast exploring, quote, the curious and misunderstood practices within witchcraft and magic. And it's hosted by Paula and Pip, who are just lovely. And they're going to be joining us in a little bit. But first, let's look at some of the key dates for the coming week. So the moon begins to wane into a dark moon, which will take place on Friday, the 23rd. Tomorrow, we have the Bill of Rights Day, which commemorates the ratification of the first ten amendments to the US Constitution. We also have the Jewish Festival of Hanukkah, also known as the Festival of Lights. Commemorating the recovery of Jerusalem, it begins on Sunday the 18th and will end on Monday the 26th. On the 18th, we also have the UN Arabic Language Day, established to celebrate multilingualism and cultural diversity. And it's held as this date as it was the day in 1973 when the General Assembly approved Arabic as an official UN language. Monday the 19th, we have the birthday of the famous folklorist Ronald Hutton. And on the 21st, we have Yule and the Winter Solstice. Check out my Yule episode to get some ideas on how to celebrate this holiday. We've also got another meteor shower, this time of the Ursids. And we also have Saturnalia, which starts on December 16th or 17th to the 23rd. This is an ancient Roman festival and holiday to celebrate the agricultural god Saturn. 
Check out my Pagan Origins of Christmas episode for more information. Now, without further ado, let's dive into this week's show. So, let's do an introduction. Yeah. So... Hi, mages, and hi, Witch Chief listeners. Thanks, Michael. It's good to be collaborating with you, and we haven't we haven't done one of these yet. But when Michael suggested it, we thought it was a, a great idea to um, go back to basics a bit. It's kind of a bit um, one hundred and one witchcraft, which which actually is always helpful, even if you're quite experienced. I think it's quite useful to look back to back to um, the basics. My practice is very much um, connected to the land, animal spirits. I like to work with plants as well, and I also like to work with my goddesses, Medusa and Mary. Mary is the original goddess, as I see her. So, yeah, that's that's my practice in a nutshell. And I'm Paula, and I am a nature witch, and I'm also an artist. And I create art that's infused with magic and reflects deeply my own connection with plants and with the land where I live. And I love exploring the more sort of curious and misunderstood aspects of witchcraft, which is a big part of our Tell the Witch Tree podcast, but also really at the heart of my own practice. And I'm so excited that we're doing this collaboration. And like you said, Pip, I think there's always value in uh, circling back to to basics and that we all can learn from exploring sort of ways to refresh our daily practice and, you know, the practical side of maintaining one's practice over a long period of time. So thrilled that we're doing this. My name, for those who don't know me, is Michael Mulcroft. I am the host of The Mage as well. It's kind of like a one-on-one podcast to all things witchcraft and spirituality. How to define my practice? Um, I think mine's a hot mess, to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, It's very... I tend to be interested in things that are quote-unquote darker a little bit more i'm I'm very interested in death which is mm. very dark and heavy but there's something about it that fascinates me and absolutely one of yeah. my staple rituals that i'm going to speak about later is the idea of acting as a psychobomb and just trying to guide spirits that are trapped here over i think oh, i like that michael yeah i it's something that i'm still honing and working out um Mm. yeah i think there's a lot of souls currently trapped here based on the pandemic and how traumatic that was for some people who who Mm -hmm. passed over so i think it's good if you're in a position to to just sort of maybe try and incorporate that into your practice in some way and just sort of like help Mm -hmm. shift those that are currently here um, so that's something that I'm quite interested in. I have recently started exploring the idea of saints, which I'm going to speak about again. I'm giving away all all of uh, today's episode as spoilers now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've recently 
come into contact with saints and I've been quite ambivalent around incorporating Christianity into my practice. But whether I like it or not, it is a part of my heritage. It is a part of my ancestors' heritage. And I think there's real power in practicing what our ancestors have practiced. And when I speak, yeah, when I speak about ancestors, I don't mean that generally I mean my ancestors so what was my grandmother's beliefs how did she work around that what were some of her things that she did I think there's not to say that you can't stray outside of what your ancestors were doing but I think just Mm -hmm. in terms of energetic patterns and I think yeah it's good to practice what what they've done if it if it agrees with you Mm. there's a particular saint that I'm sort of tiptoeing around at the minute and it's saint cyprian and he's got quite he's an interesting one he's got a lot of huh yeah he's questionable shall we say um <laughs> he's questionable he now is I want to know all about him. yeah like there's he, so so i've got an episode airing today our time not not listeners time about the saints and basically saint cyprian's a really interesting one because he was a pagan his parents sent him all over the ancient world to sort of pick up occult tricks here and there and he learned astrology in babylon he was in servitude to apollo and he he was very adept in it so much so that he had a demon army at his call Mm -hmm. now he gets taken on to woo a woman justina by this guy Mm mm-hmm but Justina calls on the power of God and St. Cyprian can't get anywhere with her. And he's so impressed by her powers that he burns his complete occult library, packs up the pagan stuff and converts to God. And he dies. Yeah, it's a complete turnaround. Um, Now he dies and becomes martyred and becomes a saint, but he regrets his decision to destroy his occult library and starts visiting people starts visiting other monks and other people throughout history and sort of dictates his occult knowledge to them and they publish a quote-unquote saint cyprian book as dictated by him and i'm currently reading one and it's quite it's quite interesting but i didn't fully factor in how how christian it would be it's 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 interesting so yeah Mm. it's i really am taken by it and i feel quite drawn to that so that's something that i'm looking in more recently but back to explaining what my practice is and how it's a hot mess as you've just seen from my ramble um (laughs) it's very yeah it's ad hoc it's it's very seat of my pants kind of vibe (laughs) um yeah like I think a big thing for me is that I will do this massive ritual that takes hours and then I'm like oh no I can't I can't do anything for a while now so I'm starting to get more exhausted yeah pretty much pretty much I kind of feel like I need to just find a little bit more balance just get it a little bit more here and there daily boom here we go so yeah that's my practice kind of in a nutshell so yeah but you touched on something really important there which oh, I think go for it yeah the idea of your practice incorporating darkness or a darker side of witchcraft because one of the things I think that witchcraft isn't is all love and light I think it is to do with light but it is equally to do with darkness and I really don't think that you can personally separate yeah I don't think you can separate them 
I don't think you can really practice a kind of a love and light type approach without acknowledging the darkness. And I don't think darkness is something really to be afraid of necessarily either. It can be, it can be scary and it can be upsetting and also, and admittedly, we touch on protection magic, there are some situations where it could be a little too dark. But by and large, I think, you know, if you're starting out, your, your, day, uh, your daily practice, just acknowledge that darkness and light go together mm-hmm. and that you need both, I would Definitely. say. And, yeah, Absolutely. To piggyback on that, I would say that you know, this idea of balance, we could say both in terms of balance of the darkness and light as as being, you know, really part of the basis for for Wiccan practice and also for many witches that, that there really mm. is this a balance between the two. But I think that that also then connects with another thing that you had touched upon, which is just finding balance in general in our practice. And I think that it, it that a lot of witches have this experience of crafting a big ritual, doing a, a spell, having something very, very powerful, and then feeling really, really drained and for quite a while afterwards and wondering, well, how can I have this experience of magic that is sort of balanced out on a more daily basis, but also mm. gives me that intense feeling that that is so powerful when I do a bigger ritual. So I think for me over the years, that has been um, just in the same way that I seek to balance darkness and light, I also am, am always striving in my practice to find ways to sustain that that magic within mm-hmm. more regularly um, rather than only you know having these dramatic bursts and then yeah yeah um so i that really resonated for me okay wonderful (laughs) that leads nicely into building a habit but i was just going to say to michael why would you say we need to build a daily practice because i think it's like a muscle and it starts to Mm -hmm. tune you into things I've yeah. recently started getting more into like energy stuff and I'm starting to sense things more on a energetic level. I, I don't talk about it too much and I've only ever spoken about it to like a few people. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're going on air and it's like, hey, let's broadcast it. So I feel a little <laughs> self-conscious now, but yeah, I've noticed that I am starting to pick up on things and mm-hmm. feel when I'm not alone, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is amazing, but it's also kind of terrifying as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And it's something that yeah. I've always like, oh, wouldn't this be amazing to have? And let's let's go into this. But the reality is that it, it's terrifying sometimes. Mm-hmm. It can, yeah, yeah, it, can it be. absolutely is. And I remember I was getting changed in the middle of my room. And so how I feel it is, it's not like a coldness but it kind of is, and it's not like a tingling, but it kind mm-hmm. of is, and it's along my shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts. And Interesting. I just was getting un- undressed and just felt this, and I was just like, ooh, okay, there's something there's something here, and it is starting to manifest yeah. visually now, and a, something else that I've picked up on recently, which is a really fun one to have, is smells. I ooh, can yeah. look at something, and mm-hmm. I can smell it, Mm-hmm. which is a really not the funnest because it's <laughs> it's always really unpleasant smells like yeah. and it can come through watching yeah. the television as well or instagram it doesn't have to be 
me yeah. physically seeing something in front of me. It's just, yeah, that's an interesting one that started. It is to, interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's because I've experienced something like that myself too. Okay, okay. With smells,、um, the other thing I wanted to say was to our listeners is that sometimes you might start to feel the presence of somebody, something. And it's not something that you or somebody you ever thought you would connect to.、Mm-hmm. We're actually going to talk about this in another episode at some point. But for instance, for a while, and especially when I did spell work outside, which is my favourite place to do it, I would feel the presence of Baphomet, and I don't know、okay. how I knew it was Baphomet. I just did. It wasn't scary.、Mm-hmm. I remember saying to Paula. I'm sure I said to you, Paula. Like I, I, I don't know why. I call him he, but he's 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 not he or she.、Um, but I wonder why Baphomet is here. I don't know the purpose. And I did reach out to somebody who on Insta had talked a bit about Baphomet, and they just said ask him. <laughs> but I didn't get the opportunity to, and I haven't sort of come across Baphomet for a while. But I guess I could.、Uh, Connect again, but yeah, my point was that you sometimes you'll be surprised at who you might find a connection with, and the connection might be forever, or it might be temporary. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I think my connection with Mary and Medusa will be forever.、Mm-hmm. But there's other there's other gods and goddesses that I think will come along into my life and allies, say plant allies, that will be temporary. And they may come along when I、mm. need them without、mm. knowing I need them. See, for me, it's interesting because I feel like those connections are most profound with my ancestors. So it's、mm. when I am giving an offering, lighting a candle in memory, or Connecting back, like I did some spell work over Samhain this year, really connecting back to ancestors on my mother's side, several generations back, and that's when I have those profound sensory experiences with, you know, really so- suddenly being. In this case, it was like being with them in the lemon orchards in Sicily as they're like field workers.、Mm. Picking lemons from the trees, and so, so for me, that it's really the ancestor work where I feel that presence, and then how I really know that I'm forging those connections, sort of with my great 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 grandmothers and, and and back, is when then I feel their presence outside of a ritual or when I'm not standing by the altar, but maybe it's I'm in the car driving and suddenly I can feel that they're there. It's like I need to listen, or they're there、yeah. to guide me or sharing something.、Mm. So I think that. That that it's with the ancestor connections that I have the most powerful sensory experiences happen, and that's because though that you've practiced and you have become、um, attuned、yeah. to them. I think, which is you know what Michael was saying. It、earlier. takes time. I mean, it's it、yeah. definitely is you know something. Yeah. Especially, I think with when you want to connect, it's not you have to come first from a place of. Being willing to sit and listen and give and appreciate,、yeah. and it takes time.、Yeah. It's not you can't just like boom,、yeah. light a candle. Okay, I'm here. Talk to me. Communicate with me. Give、yeah. me knowledge. <laughs> Even when you know we as individuals, you know, have certain gifts of of sensing energies and of being able to connect more with the spirit realm, 
like like you were saying, Michael, it's a muscle that you have to exercise. And I also think that it is when you're trying to connect either with a deity or with a plant spirit or with ancestors, whatever it might be, you also have to pull your share with it too and, yeah. and show that you're serious about it and you, you're in it for the long haul in terms of that connection. Yeah. And that's part of why I think too, trying to practice on a daily basis and mm-hmm. even if the, the rituals are really simple, you know, lighting that altar candle every morning or saying that blessing, whatever it might be for you, it really does pay off in the long run for your own practice and for forging those connections with other realms. Exactly. And I think at the end of the day, it is practice. Yep. And it it is witchcraft or however you want to define it. It is a craft and it takes time to hone. It takes time to find your own flavor because I think witchcraft is wonderful because there's no set dogma. There's no Mm. real set guidelines, but I think that's also a double-edged sword because it's like, well, oh, hang on. How am I defining my practice? What are my parameters that I work within? You know, mm-hmm. how am I setting this up? It's almost too broad sometimes. So yeah. I think you've got mm-hmm. to give yourself time to settle into it and think, okay, there's literally a million and one ways that I can take this, yes. but what am I interested in? What am I drawn to? And that's where I'm going to hone. And then we can grow out from there if if we want to, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, the the guidelines can the lack of guidelines can be a double edged sword sometimes I think. I've definitely yeah. noticed myself sometimes thinking like, Oh, I wanna look at that, oh I wanna look at that, oh no, I wanna mm. look at that. And it's like, well, let's become a master in something and not like a jack of all yeah. trades. Let- it's tricky, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it really is. So yeah. Yeah, it can become overwhelming. I, w- I wanted to say that there is definitely merit to finding a teacher. If you can find somebody a good teacher and somebody that you trust will will teach you what you need to learn but also help you find your way in the craft which is what we had with crow Mm -hmm. paula i think that can be really helpful because it is overwhelming at first there's so many books out there there's so many Mm -hmm. people saying do this do that you can't do it this way you have to and so it is nice to hone it down a bit and and focus and I guess that's the thing is building your daily practice and go and starting with the basics sets you on a good path for the rest of your practice and and also just to say that you know as witches you're forever learning it doesn't stop no absolutely not that's part of the beauty of it I you know the fact that there there is no dogma but there is an endless amount that you can explore and and that you may there's the core of what you practice but then over time you can discover new interests and um you know whether it's you know I spent a long time with a interested in Egyptian deities and I still feel a strong connection to Bast but now I'm starting to actually become really interested in Japanese uh, mythology mm. and and deities which I really it did not expect to have happened, mm. but it, I'm like discovering all kinds of interesting things about altars in Japan and ancestor worship there and ways that I can connect with that as well. So I love that aspect of being a practicing witch that you can you can really find an, an endless amount to to learn as long yeah. as you have that core that you that you really are are grounded in and that you you keep with. Yeah, I think that's so important. And also, I think 
there's a tendency to compare ourselves to other people's practices. And Absolutely. When you're looking on Instagram, for instance, everything looks so polished and amazing. And and you, you can find yourself thinking, wow, like, when do they get the time to do this? And how much, how do they have so much knowledge? And God, I only just managed to light a candle this morning. Well, you know what? It's dangerous territory. So find so if by all means i mean i've met some amazing people on instagram and there are some amazing people to learn from but just be wary and be careful and to just realize that this is your own practice and try not to compare yourself to others because it will spoil it for you and it, you won't learn anything from that comparison yeah. and, I to, feel. and to add to that too i think that's so true pip and i think also in terms of what one chooses to share yeah. Um, on social yes. media about practice. Yeah. I feel like the most powerful experiences I have are actually the ones that I don't talk about online, that I choose not yeah. to post a photo of. And that that's something that I yeah. I had to learn over time. You know, I think there was a time mm-hmm. when I, I, I didn't practice that way and I was so excited to share. And um, But I think that I, I've really learned mm. that there is there is power in in keeping things secret there is power in what happens in the shadows and the darkness that mm-hmm. do not become something that people click on to like not that there's yeah. anything wrong with sharing and and i am also grateful for wonderful um teachers and practitioners mm. who you know i have learned from over time on social media platforms but i think for myself part of maturing as a witch has definitely been learning uh, the power yeah. of keeping something secret about what I do. Yeah. Yeah, and I must admit, I do that too. Like, if I'm doing spell work, it's very rare I will take a photo of that spell and share it. Unless there's a reason why I'm putting it out there. And that's to part of the working. But yeah, absolutely. And also with journeying, I, I, I realise that I'm quite vague when I talk about journeying. I don't go into a deep explanation of it and how it works and what I'm learning and what I've seen. And it's the same thing. It's that, you know, just keeping it a secret, keeping it for myself, because the journeying, for instance, that is the, (laughs) I am in it for the long haul where that's concerned. And that takes a lot of learning. And it's not that someone's told me that it will take a long time to learn it. It's just that the journeying itself has taught me that. But I somehow feel that if I were to share every detail, yeah. it would spoil it and it might hinder it too. It loses its sacredness so, almost. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I just wanted to hop on the back of what you were saying about sharing it for specific reasons online. And any sigils that I do as a rule of thumb, they go online. They go on like a 24-hour story and it adds to the charge of them. I think that's a really... Mm-hmm. Yes. good way mm. of tapping into that sort of like social media eye on you get a sigil up there add to yeah. the power of mm-hmm. it boom it's gone so yeah. yeah it's again like social media double-edged sword i think yeah. i totally agree with you that not all aspects of our craft should be shared online but i also think not all aspects of our lives should be shared you know in terms of a protection completely yeah in terms of like a protection point of view and like the evil eye and like people throwing jealousy on you i think it's yeah i think you you do need to be careful online at times with what you're sharing 
Like not mm-hmm. every minuscule detail and not every guess what I've got in the pipeline needs mm. to be needs to be shared. I don't know. I'm quite suspicious about that. I was just going to say, but I, I, what you were saying about posting sigils, I think there is power in sort of mm. letting that energy spin sometimes and tapping into. Um, yeah. And I know mm. that Pip, we've done things like with our coven or you know with others, which is where it's a shared ritual and there's this there's powerful connection when you start to have hundreds even thousands of people whether it's something for healing whether Mm. it's something for peace what you know really trying to build up energy Mm. globally in using social media for Mm. that and for spell work in that way i think can be very powerful and and valid so you know there, there definitely are times where I think we can take advantage of of that, and it can be a way of of connecting that is unique to to the time in which we live. Yeah, and and you know you are tapping into the connections, and witchcraft is is surely all about connections. You know our connection to the land, to every creature, to every rock, to the all of the elements, to past practices, to current practices. You know. I think that's a really mag- well, yeah, magical element of witchcraft is is those connections, and so sometimes, if you're sharing in the right way, you're tapping into a, a really strong energy. There it can definitely enhance what you're trying to achieve, and maybe bring about the effect that you're trying to achieve. So, I suppose, in a nutshell, it's about intention. Your intention, like, are you sharing because there's a good reason to share mm-hmm. it? And if there isn't, if it's just for likes, then maybe have yeah, a chat with yourself. Yeah, I think that's yourself. a good rule of thumb. Do you think? Absolutely. Do you think we ought to give a little bit of practical advice? Yeah, so one of the things that I do is actually have a physical calendar. I don't use my phone, I don't use my laptop, I use a physical calendar. Mm-hmm. And I mark out, okay, let's plan for the month ahead. What rituals do you want to do when? I love yeah, what moon cycles where? Are there any sort of like feast days you want to acknowledge? Are there any like pagan holidays? Like what do you want the month ahead to look like in a ritualistic spiritual sense? And I also think that having designated days, so on the first of the first of every month, you know you're gonna cleanse your altar, or two weeks mm-hmm. into every month, you know you're gonna do a massive house cleanse, or you're gonna like ward your house or just it's it gives you a a it gives you structure and a timetable to work to that I think is quite powerful. Mm-hmm. I love. Yeah, this. it's it's. Mm. I, I like to be organised. <laughs> I'm a sucker for organisation, yeah. um, but also it, it just helps you to be accountable because I think it's very easy mm. to be like, um, oh no, I'm tired. You know, I won't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd so rather just. Easy. Yeah, I think if it's written down somewhere and it's somewhere that you're looking often, it's like, oh okay. And in terms of my Ringbinder spellbook, I I've had shadow books um, mm-hmm. or book of shadows. I don't ever really call it that, and I don't call it. I don't really like calling it a spellbook either. It feels too Wizard, Wizard of Oz, Disney, Mickey Mouse kind of vibes. <laughs> Disney, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just like it, it's my book. Um, so yeah, I I did have the classic books and like I'm the sort of person if I make a spelling mistake on one page the entire notebook's ruined (laughs) so I I've created this ring binder and it allows me to organize it properly you Mm. know I've got a section about divination I've got a section about like prosperity spells I've got a section about how to like banish I've got all these different sections that I can easily refer to 
And it's just, I, again, I like organization. You know, I like to know where I'm my different impressed. pages That's... are. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's really, I, yeah, I, I think that it's inspiring. Um, it's wonderful that you can do that. I um, think that would be kind of hard for me. But what I do is um, at the beginning of every year, I always get as a treat for myself, but it's really very important in my practice, a moon calendar for the year. Mm -hmm. And I put that up as a work of art, but also as a reference point so that I can look on any given day and see exactly what the phase of the moon is. And it's like, it sort of looks visually beautiful, but it lets me see mm -hmm. the whole calendar year, how the moon will cycle throughout the year. So I have that so that I can always kind of at my fingertips, see what's going on moon wise. And then I also have a permanent work of art that shows the Sabbath because I really love following the wheel of the year. I'm not Wiccan, but for me and living in a four season climate and just it it does really resonate. And I, um, I really enjoy having the Sabbaths be a part of my practice. And they really guide sort mm. of the kinds of rituals and spell work that I do at different seasons of the year. So having that as a touch point there that I can see is definitely yeah. very important for me so that I don't because otherwise I think I would feel a bit more lost it definitely does help like oh yes this is a good time for me to to do some protection or this is when i need to kind of clean out the alt you know yeah. and i don't have it quite so organized as you do michael but <laughs> i think i intuitively the the combination of being able to keep track of what the moon is doing and seeing that wheel of the year really does inform you know the, the practical side yeah, of, of what i do and i i don't i think i would be feel really lost without sort of those visual reminders i, I just think it's mm. good to have your eye on the seasons anyway mm -hmm. because we so don't live in a seasonal world anymore you yeah. know you can buy strawberries in the shop still and it's just exactly. like this this isn't normal you know, I think it's really powerful to to have your eye on that and to acknowledge mm. the passing of time, the passing of seasons, exactly. the cyclical nature of everything. And the moon, yes, sir, it, mean, it's yeah. a wonderful way for anyone to just anchor their practice and think, okay, mm -hmm. new moon coming up, that's around intentions. Full, how do you guys view the full moon? Mm. Because to me, I see it as like peak potency, whereas I know other people will sort of see it as a time for release. And I'm just like... That doesn't quite fit in with with what I think. You know, each to their own. But yeah, I'm just curious what your take. I think it can be yeah. either. I think okay. it can be either. Um, yeah, I do. Um, but there is something really powerful about the new moon too, isn't there? Yeah, I just as I tend I mean, to do I more think... of my practice around the dark moon and the new moon. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just as powerful um as 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 a full moon actually depend but then you might think this depends on kind of what what kind of work you workings you're wanting to do and how they how you feel they fit in with the phases of the moon as well yeah i mean for me if i wanted to do anything around money or prosperity that would say full moon to me yeah it, yeah yeah i get that that yeah. says full moon but like new moon it's about I see New Moon as more about planning rather than physically mm -hmm. doing something. So I write lists, I've got my intentions down. And like Dark Moon, I, I use for all sorts of like banishing or waning stuff or Definitely. divination. I'll do a lot around the Dark Moon as well for like mm -hmm. the following month. But yeah, I'd say that the Moon is a very good way, especially for 
beginners if you're looking for something to anchor your practice the moon and each phase will give you a theme to work around so you know a dark moon's coming up this is wonderful for x i'm gonna base my rituals around that and also this idea about using like key dates to inspire you so for example on the first of every month you know you're gonna do your altar cleansing what i like to do before the month is to do a month ahead forecast and i will use my tarot cards mm-hmm. i will look at like intuition like what do mm-hmm. i sort of foresee within myself like coming up for the month and then i'll also read a month ahead astrology report and then that that's like a big report for the month and then i'll go back to yeah. that report at, at the end of the month and just sort of assess and review how that's gone but that's something as well that people could definitely incorporate into their practice and just sort of start to see what's happening what are the patterns and i think learning about astrology is is quite important for witchcraft and trying to actually understand what's happening in the skies and how that impacts on you and also how it informs your rituals as well which is huge it's a lot to learn and it's something that i'm still learning about and trying to get better at yeah it's not something i admit it's not something i know very much about it's huge though it is a huge topic and trying to understand it and like i i struggle to understand how planets are in cycles within cycles within cycles sometimes with with each other and within others so it is it's huge to grasp your head around but i do think there's there's definite benefits to Mm. it sort of like theming your rituals around the planets as well as well as the moon phases as well as what's happening seasonally it's all it cycles within cycles within cycles Mm. and i think that's a very easy way to boost your practice give it a theme for that particular day or week or it just it 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 informs you a little bit better so Mm -hmm. yeah but astrology is huge it is just massive so (laughs) yeah start chipping away at that Mm. iceberg i think it's interesting isn't it you know because i guess what we're, we're trying to say is that you do need to put the work in but at the same time don't try and mm-hmm. do too much mm, too yeah. soon. Don't try and put too much right. pressure yeah. on you. Yeah, if it's you a balance do act. A, a working and you don't get the results you hoped for, you haven't failed. It's it's data you know? to look at and to review and think. Okay, yeah. why hasn't that quite yeah. worked out the way I wanted it? Yeah, absolutely. And also remember that you're trying to bring something about within the universe and change something. Yeah. And if the universe, I think the universe is on our side, right? So if the universe doesn't think that's okay for you, that might well be why your working didn't go as you planned. Would you I, agree I with totally that? agree. And I also think there could be elements of shadow work needed, especially mm. around workings around money, because we have got so many beliefs and opinions and ideas around money. And I think, our relationship to money is largely dictated to by our parents and there's the idea of deserving wealth there's ideas of it seeing it as an evil weapon we've Mm. got so much conflated opinions about it and it's just like well if you haven't done the shadow work to define what money means to you and is it something beneficial you know you've got something underlying that's working against you you know do you believe that you're worthy of money do you believe you deserve money you know Mm. what is your relationship to it Mm -hmm. and are you if you're in a good place, I think then you can manifest money. But I think there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be done around that. So I think there's there's a whole host of factors as to why 
a ritual or a spell might not have worked. Um, I think. I think you can apply that to anything um, that you're. Working oh yeah, on. absolutely yeah. But I think money's quite sure. a, a, a relevant one for that. I agree. It's, yeah, I think you need to look yeah. at a whole host of yeah. things as to why a spell hasn't worked. But yeah, I want to touch on something. Go for it. Go for it. I want to touch on something that irritates me about Insta. And Michael, we've talked about it. And Paula, <laughs> we've talked about it. And that is, and I think this is this is a trap that that um, people new to witchcraft can fall into, and that is the whole spell jar thing. Now, <laughs> I am not saying that spell jars are wrong or don't work. I am not saying that. But what I'm saying is, if I get a jar and I write something on a note and I put that in and I put in some rose and I put in some coal and I put in whatever and I put the lid on and yeah I may be thinking well my intention is that this will bring me prosperity okay now firstly okay it's not enough to just have that intention you have to see it and feel it and believe it because you're trying to affect change in the universe make something happen and change and reflect back to this earthly realm and you can't just expect that putting pretty things into a jar that looks really nice. Yes. It's so good for it does. photos, though. <laughs> it's great for photos, isn't it? Yeah, no, and it it's... gets zillions of likes, too. But you can't expect that to necessarily do what you need it to do. You have to do more. Spell work takes a lot of energy on your part. Our teacher taught us about will and imagination, and I think that's the best way to put it. And that's why I'm saying is to see it and feel it and believe it and to imagine it coming and into I being. And to have that commitment, that yeah. will and desire that to really keep at it. And, um, mm. you know, as you were saying, Michael, you go back at the end of the month and you look back on what, what you were hoping to accomplish or mm. what you anticipated or what based on the cards you pulled or the readings that you did astrologically, what you were anticipating and you see what actually happened. And I mm. think that, that whether or not something ended up manifesting in a way that you expected or hoped is perhaps less important than the process of really taking the time to do that reflection and go back because that's truly how you learn. And you may think that mm. something didn't manifest but when you go back and you reread your notes and you see what you were thinking you realize oh actually something did happen but it didn't happen in the way I thought it was going to it, that's true it turned out it, it it occurred in a in yeah in this other way that I didn't actually yeah. see until I went back and thought about it and reread my notes from a month ago so that you know that's something yeah definitely that I think is really valuable to do and again it's like you have to take yeah. the time to write some things down whether it's in a three ring binder whether it's in a little <laughs> journal whether it's on a scrap of paper but you have to like do that you know apply yourself in that way and then you reap the benefits of it yeah absolutely you record know? everything yeah knowing yeah knowing what you're asking for I mean I think you need to be quite specific really so for instance if I were to do a spell jar for prosperity well what does prosperity mean? Yeah. What kind? What, exactly. what kind of prosperity? What's your definition? And how is what's it? Yeah, how is that? How is the universe going to help me with this? And we doesn't really know 
if I don't really know what I'm asking for or if I'm not being specific enough, I do think that you need to be really clear in what you're asking Absolutely. Asking for. And I also think you need to pair it with action as well. Exactly. I don't Absolutely. think you can just make a jar and be like, oh, it's okay. Money's going to come to me. It's like, well, no. What episode was it? I covered manifestation. Mm. I think it is my manifestation episode. And I quoted a show that I can't remember off the top of my head. But the advice that they gave was somebody working in a cafe wants to become an astronaut with NASA. So that is obviously a massive leap. And spell work <laughs> is just not, you know, I, that that is not, you're not going to be able to pull that out of the bag. So what the solution around that was, was manifesting a job within a cafe in NASA. So you are yeah. in the company already and it's less of a jump. And then your next spell work can be around climbing yep. that ladder to an astronaut. And it just... It breaks the process down. It makes it into like bite-sized chunks. Mm. It makes it achievable. And, you know, it's not the big lotto win, but like it's it's more realistic. Like I think magic is so valuable. Yeah. And it's got so much potential, but yeah. cut, yeah. it, cut it some slack, yeah. you know. It's um, make it easy for it yeah. <laughs> to work, you know. I also think that sometimes we think we want one thing, but that when we really take the time to, to break it down, we realize we actually want something else. So in other words, mm. we might think, mm. you know, if you're talking in terms of money that you want wealth, but maybe what you really want is more time. Mm. And you think that wealth would enable you to have that. Um, and, and maybe there are other ways to get more free time to either, you know, mm. to do whatever it is that you want to do to pursue, you know, your passion or, you know, what you thought that wealth is the only means, but maybe there's another means. And, and so I think the more yeah. that we take the time to reflect, we actually can can become more specific in realizing exactly yeah. what it is that we want to manifest. Yeah, more and, precise. And that again, too, sometimes when something doesn't seem to work, it's because maybe we're not asking for the right thing. Yeah, it's self-awareness, I guess, mm. isn't it? Which is, it's easy to say, but I think you've got to make the time for it because like our lives, our society... There's, there's no time for that, mm -hmm. you know, you've, you've really got to make it a priority and make it happen because we're so connected, we're so available 24-7, you know, it's, the, the odds are stacked against us, I feel, in some regards, mm -hmm. in order to just sit and reflect and mm -hmm. understand who we are and where we're going and what do we want, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a process, it's a process of unraveling and you've got to carve out the time for that, so... Yeah. Yeah, on your calendar, carve out a day where you sit down and reflect. <laughs> That's right. I yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Absolutely. Um, I also think that you can easily set up a daily practice around deities or saints because a Mm -hmm. lot of deities they'll have you know specific offerings they'll have feast days they'll have days that you can honor them Hecate is a really good one because around the dark moon you can cook a feast for her and leave it at a crossroads she's quite an easy deity to to guide you into a daily practice if that makes sense because i think she's so she's so diverse there's so much information about her she's having like a massive revival at the minute so hecate and she's obviously got this link to the moon as well and i think hecate is a really beginner friendly maybe i'd say deity because she's so multifunctional and all-encompassing in her Mm. power so yeah Work with a deity, work with a saint, I think. You know, see see who you're called to, see... Who see, you're called to, yeah. Yeah, see who you're interested in and start to build a practice yeah. around them, a daily devotional where you light a candle or you recite a prayer to them. And, like, there's there's piles of prayers around the Greek deities. You've got the Orphic hymns, which are a collection of historic hymns that is a wonderful, wonderful resource. There's prayers as well. You can easily start to bring these in mm-hmm. and build a practice around them. And and something that I want to say as well is that you don't have to be religious to pray. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I had a conversation Definitely. with my friend and he was like, oh, do you pray? But but you're you're a witch, you're a pagan, like, do you pray? And I'm like, yeah, like praying isn't solely a Christian affair. So It's not owned by the Christians, yeah, or, or, any, relig- or any religion. Yeah. And it um, certainly predates it, Christianity by quite a yeah. few thousand years. So. Yeah. Yeah, it can I'd feel say so. like it's owned by certain religions, can't it, though? And I remember when I was starting out, kind of feeling self-conscious about prayer and then realizing well you know yeah the, prayer is yeah. anybody anyone can tap into it it's yeah. um no. yeah, he, yeah. They, they were so surprised they were like really <laughs> like yeah so get praying yeah. <laughs> light a candle to your altar and get praying get praying yeah that's right shall we talk about protection a bit more yeah because we touched on it so when when you start practicing witchcraft in a way you're you are raising your head above the parapet and i think you're making yourself more visible so and i'm not saying this to sound scary but i think building in some kind of protection daily protection ritual is is good practice and i don't think there's a right or wrong way to do this either so for instance you might do this by asking for protection from a saint or a goddess or a deity or you might call to the elements to provide you with protection yeah or your ancestors or or your ancestors it might be something that you visualize around you and around your home but Mm -hmm. i i definitely think it's worth taking that into consideration because you know we're, we're we're dealing with other realms we're working with other realms we're trying to look beyond our mundane existence and tap into 
something else that we don't quite understand or we don't really understand and so and in doing that you you know you might invite other things in that you're not comfortable with or that you just don't want in but there is a way to avoid that and that is practicing um protection rituals i i completely agree with you but for me i i think protection's wonderful but i also think it's good to not have too much protection because for me personally i do i do want i mean i don't want things to come in but i do think they're good learning opportunities you know oh, i don't okay. think i think it's good to be challenged I, in i mean obviously you don't want the the, the mm-hmm. host of hell coming into your living room <laughs> but like you want to be challenged you want new situations thrown your way to think okay this is going to test me i'm going to level up i'm going to practice a different sort of magic than i usually would to counter this problem it just i like to think of it as keeping me sharp i so i do have yeah it's an interesting yeah way of looking at like it. i do have some protection and and I've got protocols in place that I go to where it's like, okay, something mm. big has come in. Let's let's counter this. Let's deal with it. So, I am for protection, but I think it's good to be a little ad hoc with it. Maybe sometimes I don't know. Don't know what you guys think of that, but yeah, I think that's, if you, that's if my that's, hot take. No, but I think if that's if you're comfortable with that, I think that's great actually. But but protection might simply be just about energies negative energy mm-hmm. for instance and just oh yeah you know yeah. so you Vampirism. might you just might you just might want to uh, encircle yourself with something say that pushes out negative energy and draws in positive energy just to kind of help help you um keep you know in touch with your practice and grounded so that you can mm. see and focus and and explore different avenues of witchcraft whether it be you know, something more mainstream or something less understood or perhaps darker. I think for me too, protection is about um, stepping into my own power as a witch. In other words, when I... Yeah, okay, good. When I sort of cast a bubble of protection around myself or around my loved ones, it's really that combination of will and imagination, you know, what we were speaking to earlier that our our teacher Crow had taught us about in our training, Mm. this idea that through my will and power of imagination, I can create a wall of protection around myself, whether it's in a challenging work Mm. situation, whether I'm stepping into a hostile environment with relatives, whether I am going on an airplane and I haven't flown in a long yeah. time and I'm really anxious about it. So it's a it's a way to mm-hmm. link the the kind of mystical side of practice that I may experience when I'm mm-hmm. in my home casting a spell, standing in the forest. It's a way to link that with when I'm out in the practical world in environments that may feel hostile, not necessarily because of spiritual reasons, but more because I am other in some way and there mm. are there are dangers or negative energies that are being thrust at me as part of the mundane world. So I think for me, when I think about protection, it's more about mm. this is a way that I can access my power to make me feel stronger and more confident going about my daily life in the world and less about when I'm doing spell work. That is definitely, Michael, like that's a time when I also, I want to be more open to what might come in 
and um, yeah, yeah. Th- that's that's a little different. Yeah. But for me, it's really about that day to day life, and whether it's using an amulet, whether it's a prayer, whether it is certain plants that I burn. There are a lot of different ways that I have protection in my daily life that I I feel are are very important to my practice. Yeah, so it's not just mundane, Mm -hmm. um, magical, it's a a kind of mundane um, protection too. I was researching this recently for my Hexed episode and my computer died and I lost the the website, but there was a Greek philosopher who believed that his state of mind was honed in a way that it made him immune from magical attack and from magical negative influence and I quite like mm-hmm. that because I do think there is an element of that and within the episode I was saying that I think the most powerful oh, I'm talking about hexing here which is maybe not quite what we're talking about but I think the most powerful hex is the one that you think has been cast on you yes. mm. and I think you add to that snowballing effect and again it's this idea of trying to make your mind untouchable just mm. by simply your thought process. And I think that has an impact on your energetic boundaries mm. as well. And I kind of see it as like arrows pinging off armor in a way. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that you can go about protecting yourself and on a daily basis. And there's a whole episode yeah, in I think protection actually, isn't there really? Literally, um, literally. We could do a yeah. whole podcast itself yeah. on it. Yeah, so perhaps if I kind of wind back round to what I was saying, I guess is to just look yeah. after yourself and make sure that you are comfortable. Even if that mm-hmm. comfortable means that you are comfortable experiencing things that make you less comfortable, mm. if you see what I mean. But just feeling like you are, I guess, grounded or in a way that something happening, something coming in will not damage you because you don't want to be damaged mm. by anything. It, it might challenge you, but that's very different. It's a fine line, isn't it? And it's hard to um, gauge once it's happening, I, which I also think yeah. is this idea of self-awareness again, trying to be aware yeah. of the energies around you, tapping in and thinking, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. something's not quite 100% with me. Why is that? What's my what's my diagnosis? Mm. What's my remedy? That's right. And then that, that comes back to that daily practice piece and your own awareness of the energies yeah. around yeah. you and... And knowing yeah, yourself yeah. and knowing knowing what your own comfort zones are. And and that's that's also it's it's not always about what we're trying to manifest or, you mm. know, these big rituals. It, ultimately I think it's more about how how can we have a meaningful daily practice and and by doing that work then when you need it, when it's that that moment whether it's protection or whether it's insight that's when it can, mm. that's when the spark happens because you've put you've put that time mm. in i mean to me i just think i think witchcraft is so psychological mm. and i think the rituals that we do are just an extension of our psychology and yeah. by bringing them into the physical we're putting them in a different arena and i think we inspire the change that we're trying to manifest more in an mm-hmm. internal way because we've externalized it. Yes. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Definitely. Yeah, it yeah. does make sense. My, my point's completely fallen through. I can't remember how I was linking that to what we were saying. But no, it <laughs> it's also, psychological. No, it does make sense. Everything's it, psychological. Yeah, and it brings, yeah, and it brings us back to what we were saying before, which is 
to accept or embrace this balance between darkness and light and the fact that I think witchcraft should be challenging. It shouldn't be mm. easy, you mm. know? We're not saying that it should be difficult in terms of these really long, long, complicated rituals, but it should be challenging in terms of your development and your learning and where you go to with your heart and your soul and your experiences of the universe and other realms. I think it should be challenging and it certainly shouldn't be all love and light and it's just not i think out of you know psychologically speaking if we're going to use you know that frame of reference i think out of those kind of challenges and having things sort of broken open um that's where the growth comes yeah and you know the the, you know the seed has has to germinate in darkness and Mm. and we really do need you know that's part of why i think it's so important to to embrace that challenge and to really lean into sometimes the unknown and and that opportunity and see that as an opportunity to grow magically and and to mm. grow psychologically right to grow yeah. in our own mm-hmm. awareness of ourselves and i think that witchcraft is a way to do that is a means to do that oh there was something else that i wanted to mention as yeah. well about it's sort of like linked to the calendar stuff it's um planetary magic mm-hmm. the idea that each day is governed by a different planet and that planet holds a different energy mm. that is a very easy way mm-hmm. to to again give you focus give you a theme for that particular day and to perform magic around it there's yeah there's there's countless ways you can work with planetary magic yeah i've i've got something on my patreon which is like a planetary magic series where it gives you four rituals that you can do and by the end of it you've got a month's work of witchcraft that you can do based just only on the the planet so it's it i would really recommend as well if you're trying to build your practice or get into a daily thing like look into the planets because it's very easy and mm-hmm. it's mm. it's such specific themes that it's a nice way in. Yeah, yeah there's always something to do with them and it's yeah it's very it's very easy like the psycho pump stuff that i was talking about earlier where i help cross spirits over i I usually do that on a Saturday, which is about Saturn and the ending of things. And you tend to do, quote unquote, darker magic on on Saturdays. But really, you could also do that on a Wednesday because that is around Mercury. And Mercury is like the psychopomp and travel between different worlds. And I, Mm. I love it because you can interpret so many different things, so many different ways with the planets. Like Friday, for example, is Venus. And you think, okay, love. But also Venus is about resources and the management of them. And it's, yeah, I, I I love it. You can interpret it and just build it any way you want. And you've kind of got like the whole, the whole board to play with. So, yeah. But you've also mentioned um, in your notes about dreams, which I think is um, also a really good. Oh, one. yes. It's, yeah, it's my low maintenance way of, mm. <laughs> of doing witchcraft if I'm feeling lazy. But yeah, I've, re- I've come over some research that was traditionally the Aborigines, they... When they have a dream, they acknowledge it in the physical world through singing or creating poetry around it, or there's there's some act of creation around it. And I think that's really wonderful of just acknowledging it. And mm-hmm. to the Aborigines, this was the idea of showing the spirit world that you can traverse both worlds 
and it sort of strengthens the connection and builds your relationship with that. So I think that could be something that can be easily incorporated. And I, I struggle to write down things in the morning because my brain's so scatty, but just because we should all be keeping a dream journal. And I personally, I find that quite challenging. But I one of the things that you can do is actually speak aloud the dream as you as you wake up. It's quite an easy, low, low maintenance thing to do. Right. I think how we view dreams as kind of inconsequential is quite a disrespectful almost way of viewing them I really do feel that our dreams do have meaning and I think one of the things that I'm challenging myself with is trying to see it as maybe it's slightly out there for people but seeing it as an alternative world that we go to that is real on some sort of energetic level and when we come back Mm. it's it's not looking in the dream world for meanings but it's looking how the dream world has meanings in our world and seeing how let's say you dream of a hurricane maybe you don't live in a hurricane area but Mm -hmm. what is the symbolism of that hurricane in your current life like where where is that hurricane coming from i don't know if any of that makes sense Um, it does make sense oh it does okay wonderful i'm worried that i'm rambling so yeah look for the meanings of the dreams in your real life as 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 a prediction based method as well and just just try and bring them into the physical more so, for example, um, when things are difficult in my life, and this has always been the case that I dream about water, so it might be a lake or a river or the sea, and I'm always out of my depth, but I'm always okay. And I'm just so I'm just thinking what would be nice is if that happened, would be then to maybe work mm, with the element of absolutely. water to help, yeah, to help kind of deal with the emotions or the situation that's surrounding you at that time and that you know you feel is causing these dreams in my case of treacherous waters or out you know being out of my depth in 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 oceans or whatever um like i say it's not they're never they never end badly they just i just know that they mean that i'm feeling a bit out i literally am feeling a bit out of my depth but i haven't actually taken that a step further and then maybe worked with it and I think mm. that would be interesting to do. Absolutely. Definitely some shadow work might be needed around it. Mm. I've, I've mm. noticed for me that whenever I'm stressed, I am back in school sitting in exam in history that I've not revised mm-hmm. for. Um, that is just, it's, oh, really? it's horrible. And I wake up all the time like thinking, oh my God, thank God that's over. Mm. Um, that's horrible. So yeah, it, it's interesting what re-recurring dreams yeah. are trying to tell oh. you and yeah. can you actually work with them. I that's think, rec- of, yeah, recurring dreams are really important yeah. to pay yeah. attention to. Absolutely, because it shows that there's a pattern that's mm. not being resolved. So exactly. how are we how are we going to work around that to resolve it? So yeah, dreams dreams are very powerful, and I think as well, praying to a deity or a saint or an ancestor or whoever you're working with before you go to sleep to give you signs in your dreams. Mm. I think that's a really nice way to sort of like balance the worlds out a bit as well, and sort of start stepping into different different realms and different ways of thinking about them. So get and do dream work i think yeah. if you want to if you want to maybe just a practice. quick word about shadow work oh um, yeah i i love yeah. the idea of it i'm yeah big fan because i think 
and I think that's ongoing. I don't think you just say to yourself, "I'm going to do, I'm going to do my shadow work," and then a couple of weeks later, you say, yeah, "I've done like, my shadow." Yeah, work. you dust think, your hands off and like, "Great, I'm here." Yeah, I've, no, I've absolutely not. <laughs> I think this is that this is something that you do. You can do to throughout your life. It's a lifelong project. Yeah, yeah, it's an ongoing yeah. process. Definitely, absolutely. I think yeah, you can easily incorporate shadow work, and I think again, this idea of what we were saying about knowing yourself just regularly checking in with yourself and saying like even something as mundane as like what's my favorite color what's my favorite food like because I think just because we are ourselves doesn't mean that we know ourselves and that we are consciously aware of us changing and I think it's so good to Mm. revisit beliefs um, ideas around things and think well are these still relevant to me you know what are my views around this and have they updated and have they changed so yeah big big advocate of of shadow work and i think mm-hmm. setting i mean the dark moon would be a great time for shadow work and just setting that day aside to just think okay let's go into my my shadows and see see what i can pull up and there's mm. there's various yeah. ways of doing that and meditating with it and revisiting traumas and reimagining yeah. them in a different way to sort of heal from them like yeah there's there's, there's a lot mm. that you can do with shadow work that i think we all should be doing yeah. more shadow work, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think the world yeah, would look very yeah. different if we did. But um, yeah. We've covered so much. We I'm have. We, I'm just wondering if we can try and summarise it somehow, just so that... Just so I think that, be um, gentle. Don't compare yourself. And yeah. baby steps. Yeah. yeah, and slow and steady. Better to do a little bit, a little bit at a time, but consistently, than trying to bite off something huge and then yeah. and then feeling exhausted by it i think be open and honest as well to receiving yeah, knowledge um from different sources whether that be in the mundane world or magically and listening and don't be afraid to try to try some different things mm-hmm. yeah. and uh to figure out what what works for you to help guide you with that practice whether it's keeping a binder whether it's following um you know using the days of the week as as guides for your spell work see what works for you and don't be afraid of yeah. that journey and that that process because there is no set dogma or rules so mm. you are free to explore i think respect it but have an element of play with it as well. i was gonna say mm-hmm. that too yeah so. yes. i think experiment experiment take copious yeah. notes see what works for you see yeah. what doesn't see what makes you tick see what doesn't and go from there really I think yeah yeah respect it but play with it yeah because I do think witchcraft is serious but that's not to say that you can't enjoy it and have some fun with it it doesn't have to be all grimoires and stuff otherwise yeah (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely and you know one thing I think is really nice is just that when you're going about your daily daily business you know there's ways of incorporating magic into the most tiniest and mundane of activities there's ways of incorporating magic into your practice in so many ways and it doesn't have to be complex or feel like you've got to come up with something new and never done before you know yeah it it depends how you're defining magic as well like Mm. what is your definition of magic what's your definition of witchcraft what's your definition of practice like yeah knowing these definitions it sort of gives you guidelines and parameters to work within as well and to sort of see okay this this is what we're doing today and mm. yeah looking at the sun might just be part of your magical practice it just it depends on you and how you've built it so 
yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Really, is um, yeah. just finding those finding those small ways in which you can incorporate Absolutely. Um, magic into your life. Low maintenance, um, easy yeah. hacks, and tapping yeah. into grooves. Tapping into absolutely into magic that's been practiced for a long time, whether yeah. it is connecting with the moon, whether it is finding a a prayer that has been said for thousands of years. So you know, though, though, there's power in that too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And that's a that's a way that without you having to do something huge and elaborate, you can actually connect with something powerful and add to its power mm. as well. And add to it yeah. exactly. Yeah. This yeah, I think great. we've covered a lot, mm. haven't we? <laughs> A lot of ground, yeah. I yeah. I hope our listeners find mm. it helpful. Obviously, do get in touch if you have questions. I would say, yeah, or if you're interested in exploring some of these topics more. I think that we've we've touched upon a lot of different things, and and any one of these areas could be a full episode uh, in itself. Mm. So, so where where can we find each other? Let's let's ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Give listeners our social media tags. We've we've slated social media, but here's how to follow us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Pip, Pip and I, uh, our podcast is at Tell the Witch Tree on Instagram. You can find us there. And Michael, sorry, I, I completely blanked out then. Um, <laughs> my, mine is the Majors Well. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, yeah, wherever really. And Mage is M-A-G-E-S, because loads of people ask me. Thanks for listening to for today's show. And yeah, give give us all a follow on Instagram if you don't already. Peace out, witches, and I'll see you at the crossroads. Yeah, thank you for listening, Mage as well listeners, and our witch tree ones, and we will see you very soon. That's right, we'll see you under the witch tree. Thanks, everyone, for being here.